welcome to the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya and this is episode number 65. My guest today is Nairi. This episode was recorded many moons ago and has been put on hold for many a reason. Uh, but now it's out and I'm happy to announce that she has a bunch of shows coming up. So this is perfect timing. Uh, May 28th at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne, June 5th at the Zoo in Brisbane and June 12th at the Factory Theatre in Sydney. Um, both Melbourne and Sydney have just had earlier shows announced as the late ones have sold out. So get along to an early show. Uh, also, a little birdie has told me that uh, you should keep your eyes and ears peeled for May 20 as there'll be some new music coming. So that's also very exciting. Um, so this chat is very much a moment in time. We talked quite a while ago, as I said, um, and, it, you know, she was kind of in between things and hadn't done an interview for ages, but it just made it all the more special, in my opinion. And um, we had a really lovely chat and we covered many things, including how she started to love singing, um, putting the live show together and you know, growing up in Papua New Guinea and things about her childhood. Um, she's had a pretty amazing life and I think you'll love hearing about it. Nairi's strange show illustration was done by my dear friend Ben Eli, who of course plays in Regurgitator. And I don't know if you knew this, but he is also a fantastic painter and he actually he has art shows and stuff. Um, so you should definitely go check out his paintings I might be biased, but I am a massive fan. Um, rate and subscribe, leave me a comment, all that stuff if you want to. Okay, without further ado, here is episode number 65 with Nairi. for chatting to me thanks for having me you've just been in a car for three hours with a small child yes how are you feeling i'm feeling very super super tired but that's kind of the norm for me now yeah that's motherhood it's motherhood yeah yeah so i specifically came into this conversation not wanting to ask you about what it's like being a creative person mm -hmm. and a mother mm -hmm. so i feel like that's the most like obvious question that every yeah. like creative mother gets asked yeah are you sick of answering those questions no not at all because i've been um off the off the market i <laughs> <laughs> Not off the market because I'm happily married, but... Um, <laughs> you were never on the market. I was never on the market. Um, yeah, I I haven't really been doing many interviews. You're like yeah. my first um, for since a whole year. You're not now. interview fit. Not interview fit. I haven't released anything new lately, so I'm just kind of doing the mum thing and not really doing many of those yeah. things. So, like... Ask away. This is exciting. <laughs> I'm going to get some good stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think that this might come out later in the year. So yeah. maybe you'll be more interview fit by the time this oh, comes out. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, so I kind of want to ask you like where it all started. I know that it, it's a complicated question, but do you remember a time in your life when you were a kid, like your first memories of music or when you knew that you wanted to to make music I yeah I can't remember the the one particular moment 
that it happened. But um, there, I think there was a period where I was going through a lot as a child living in Papua New Guinea and um, I just, me and my family had just survived a volcanic eruption. Um, we'd lost our house, all our belongings. And, Holy moly. Um, how old were you then? Uh, I was in year four, so however age you're, like you are. Like 10 or something. Yeah, something like that. Shit. So and what happened, like the volcanic eruption, can you talk me through what actually happens? So is what happens? <laughs> or is it smoke? What happened? There's all the things that all you see things. in the movies. And um, I mean, we weren't running away from like a lava, a lava flow or anything. Yeah. Um, but it was on a Sunday night that we were getting these incredible um, were earthquakes and oh, wow. the town that we live in is a town called Rabaul. Um, it's in the New Guinea Islands, so and it's built um, around uh, like an old crater. So that's the whole township around this crater, and then there's a whole bunch of little smaller volca- volcanoes around this this crater. So it was quite normal to have earthquakes there. Yeah, um, but these ones just kept happening throughout the night. Um, to the point where it felt like our house um, started to rock from one end to oh, the other. Jesus. Like a ship almost. Wow. And I remember me and my brother would run up and down because we thought it was so much fun that the house was just rocking. Wow. And my you parents. made it into a game. Yeah. And by that, at that point, actually, my parents had separated. So my mum was on the mainland and we were living with my father. Um, so he was running around trying to keep all the pictures on the walls and stop like plates and cups from falling out of the drawers and wow at the same time trying to stop us from running around like crazy animals so you weren't scared at all you were just like this is fun yeah it was pretty like I mean at that age you don't really know what's happening it's all really exciting and so after a while it just occurred to my father that um something wasn't right and um, my auntie who lived on the other side of town called my father up and said, look, I'm sending an ambulance because she was a midwife yeah. um, at the hospital there and said, I'm sending an ambulance to come and get you and to bring you over to where we are because I feel like it's safer. So we all piled in with pretty much very little, the clothes on our backsides, maybe a change of clothes, one like one change wow. uh, set of clothes. Yeah. Um, one of our dogs, uh, and just went over to the other side of town where my grandmother and the rest of the family were. And in the morning, woke up. There were tremors all throughout the night, but we managed to sleep. Woke up in the morning, and then that's when it all happened. Whoa. Um, there were kids running up and down the street going, it's erupted, the volcano's <gasps> erupted. And sure enough, there was ash starting to fall from the sky Holy like snow. Crap. Um, Would that like burn you if it touched you? Um, no, it was fairly harmless at that point. It was quite fine. Um, but my father had sent one of my uncles um, next door to just look for a spare car oh, yeah. to ship everyone out. Because um, where my family live, how we live as Papua New Guineans, usually you would build your house around your parents and then – you would have kids oh, and your yeah. kids would build their houses around you. So there was a whole tribe of family that we needed to get out. So 
we just piled into the back of this ute and just started driving. And as soon as we went out into the main road, it was like an exodus of people. Wow. Just carrying whatever they could, pigs, dogs. Holy um, moly. Stereos. That's crazy. Yeah. That is an insane memory of yeah. the volcano erupting. Yeah, and it wasn't just the one. It was two volcanoes that erupted Whoa. at the same time. So we were caught in the middle of two eruptions. Um, yeah, so we just kind of moved from one camp refugee camp to the next until my mother sent a chartered airplane she had no idea where we were because all the power lines and all like everything was down so she had sent a message via talkback radio um and by chance one of my cousins had heard it on the radio and said your mum's looking for you whoa um they're sending a chartered airplane to this little clearing in the forest um at this time and you just have to be there. Yeah. And so that's what happened. And then we got out um, and flew to the mainland and basically just stayed there. And so that all happened shortly after my parents had split up. So I was processing so much, living in a different town now, losing everything, losing my parents being together. Yeah. Um, so I just started singing after that and just in the privacy of my room and as a comfort as a comfort and as a way to express myself um that's amazing yeah and so have you always felt like singing is a comfort to you then um i don't know australian life's pretty easy and pretty relaxed in no volcanoes there's no volcanoes <laughs> there's no png is quite exhilarating and that there's always something happening and you're always in each other's pockets and everyone's out on the streets and it's buzzing and there's like there's life whereas here like everyone's like you don't have the same sense of community yeah so i become i think i become quite lazy in processing my feelings with singing if sure. that makes sense yeah um but definitely when i was younger it was very much a um a tool for me to deal with things and so when did you move to australia then i moved when i was 16 with your family with my mum and my stepfather. Yeah. So my mum, uh, she'd been studying at Southern Cross University in Lismore um, for her master's and then her PhD and then met my stepfather at uni and then eventually ended up bringing over me and my siblings. Wow. And then how did you then decide, okay, I, I think music is something I want to pursue in Australia? Um, I think I would have been about 12 when I decided to pursue music, but not in Australia. I just remember telling my mum, I really want to be a singer because she's quite an ambitious person and really encouraged her children to be ambitious and to aim high and all that kind of stuff. So she was like, what do you want? And she was expecting me to say like, I want to be like a scientist of some sort. Yeah. Or <laughs> this and you're or like, that. fuck, I want to sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and she had no idea that I could sing. I'd oh. only just been doing... No one knew I could sing. I It was your little private thing. It was my little private thing. I, th for s I don't know what made me think that I could sing or could make it into a career. I just ended up telling her, I said, Mom, this is what I want to do. I want to be a singer. And she basically just said to me, look, I don't think you can make a career out of it here. Mm. You know, you're going to have to look for something else to do and I was devastated yeah. obviously um this is isn't to say that she hasn't supported me 
Um, yeah, she was just being a mum. She was just yeah. being a mum and being practical and realistic. And, yeah. Um, but then it wasn't until I turned 18 that she found out that I could sing. Um, when we moved to Australia, I started um, doing music classes because we weren't able to do that back in PNG. It wasn't accessible at all. At all. Um, what kind of music classes? Um, just your normal music classes, you know, like, um, I had no theoretical background whatsoever. I just decided that I would select that as one of my, um, whatever you call it, been like out of high school for two yeah. I don't know what <laughs> they're called. Electives. Electives, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just, just fudged my way through it and my music teacher at the time was incredible. She... Um, she knew I explained to her where I'd come from, what experience I had had, and she just gave me all these CDs to listen to. She's wow. like, you should listen to this. Maybe she'd try singing this or that. Or um, what? Do you remember what kind of music it was? Tori Amos, um, Jewel at the time for some reason, Aretha. Yep. Yeah. Aretha, Stevie. Um, Oh, that's a pretty good foundation of amazing. Yeah, there were very different things that she gave me. Um, and then I was doing classical singing as well because I started getting um, singing lessons for my HSC. And my singing teacher at the time was like, well, maybe we should try you with classical. So I started doing impression impressionist pieces as well on top of that. Wow. So, yeah, it was a really fun and exciting, strange time musically. Yeah. And then did you you got into jazz after that too, didn't mm, you? Mm. Did you and you did did you study jazz? I did. I did for two years. Um, I'd always loved jazz because I think it was the first form of live music I'd ever heard in PNG, um, apart from our traditional music. Um, I went to like an American uh, run school um, back in PNG. So there were a lot of schools that were run by missions or adopted the Australian syllabus or the American syllabus. So I went to an American one and they used to tour college bands, college big bands over from the States to PNG to perform. And I remember hearing a big band and going, oh my God, yeah. I want to sing in front of that band. And so that's what, that's what I ended up doing after high school. I was like, I'm going to go and study that exact music. Great. And I did that for two years and then realised that I just – it wasn't really what I thought I needed. It was too institutionalized for me. I wanted to experience what it w was like playing real gigs. And so I left after my second year and mm. didn't look back. Do you think that studying music and, you know, doing doing jazz and singing with big band, did you think that stuff helped you be like a great improviser? I don't know. I've always felt like you had a great ability and sensibility to feel music Mm. and and jam with whatever's happening quite mm. easily do you feel that about yourself <laughs> that's a loaded question yeah. <laughs> i don't know say how, do what are, how are you feeling about your own ability it's <laughs> huge <laughs> um <laughs> maybe i rephrase that do you feel like you're good at improvising I th I think that I am, but not in the jazz sense. I think that that's very much a different kind of um, – I mean, they're still improvising, but technically not 
yeah, I wouldn't be able to consider myself a good jazz improviser. I think that I, I, I can improvise, but not in that way. I could to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but definitely, definitely not in like the realms of like Chris and Barati or sure. like that kind of stuff. But yeah. So tell me then when I remember when I was touring a lot with Regurgitator and doing festivals, I would quite often run into you when you were singing with Blue King Brown um, and you always looked amazing. And I was always like, not envious, but always like, because my band is such a, was such a dude band. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that you miss? You know, singing with powerful women? Um, yeah, I do actually. Um, I, to be honest, um, I am very much a lone ranger when it comes to doing things. Mm. Like I'm very happy to do things in my solitude. Um, but being in a band like Blue King Brown and having toured with them for such a long time, that sense of community was something that I carried through my whole career. Yeah. Um, and you know what it's like being in a band, you become a family. Of course, yeah. Um, and particularly with a band like that where um, a lot of the um, ethics and the way that they, I guess the things that they sang about and talked about uh, – were very much in line with how I like to... They resonated. Resonated with me so that it was very easy for me to kind of find that connection Mm. Um, with them. And, I mean, now I I met my best friend on that tour. Yeah. And we talk pretty much every week. And, I mean, those kind of experiences where you come out with people like that... uh, some of the best tours you know I agree yeah it's funny though the difference between making solo records and and playing in someone else's band where you're not necessarily writing the songs Mm. the feeling of not having any responsibility there's really something to be said for that touring with a band where you just get to like ride the wave (laughs) that's it that's it and there was a lot of that like I just enjoyed just turning up and opening my mouth and doing the dance moves so good and that was it great dance moves great (laughs) (laughs) oh man I sometimes I'd feel bad for it it being so easy for us you know we'd get to travel around the world and eat and drink the rider and (laughs) just have a great time yeah um so was that did you do that before you did your own stuff or was that kind of at the same time yeah it was def it was before my solo stuff um but I'd always wanted to do that I think at the time I was working in a call center selling wine and um I just got a phone call in my lunch break I think someone left a message it was Natalie from, from Blue King Brown and she was like, hey, we're looking for a singer to come on the road with us. Um, please give me a call back. <clears throat> and then the rest is history. I ended up quitting that job, went on the road, um, did a few tours with them and then decided that I wanted to focus on my own stuff and mm. s- sent in my resignation and wow. left. <laughs> Amazing. It's very brave to, to go, I, I need to do this for myself and I'm going to take all the responsibility yeah. and all the financial stuff and, you know, yeah. I remember having that feeling like, oh, God, 
what am I doing? <laughs> oh man, it is it is super scary. Stressful. Yeah. But you I feel like you've made like a really cool little spot for yourself, not only with music, but you have a very striking presence on stage. You've always got incredible fashion. Um, is that something that you think about a lot? Like what your like holistic <laughs> output is? I think I've just discovered that I am before I am a musician or a singer or whatever I am just a creator Mm. so and it's taken a very long time to realize that I'm like for a very long time I thought that okay I'm a singer um I want to put out a record I want to do these shows and that's what people do you know you put out a single and you have to have an album out (laughs) you make a video yeah you do a single tour you do an album exactly you write another record exactly but now at this point in my life I realized that there were a lot of um there was a lot of pressure to kind of conform to that way of doing things and being very traditional with how you go about releasing music Um, And now I'm like, well, I can take my time. Mm. I can take my time. I can like spend time working on my visuals. I can spend time working on this or that. And it's all connected. So there's a lot more of a systematic approach to things now than there was before because I'm not. You're not putting the pressure on yourself. Exactly. There are are definitely other pressures, but those kind of pressures are make more sense to me now yeah I guess yeah that makes sense yeah um can you explain the term future soul to me it's funny I think maybe Tim Koenig came up with that yeah, or right. pushed that yeah. as a thing sure um and it's, so now it's bios. <laughs> well <laughs> we did a lot of things together like I mean it was he produced your first produced he played in your band. Exactly. Our lives were so intertwined. Yeah. So I was constantly asking him, like, what, what is, what am I? You yeah. know, like. Um, you are future soul. <laughs> you are future soul. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, to be honest, I don't know because what I do, I think, is going to continuously um, evolve and become different things. And um, there's so many different styles of music that I am still yet to explore Mm. you know do you have an album at the moment that you've finished yeah you're gonna put it out this year probably probably next year year. um I've it's pretty much finished in terms of production and yeah all the vocals and we just uh you know that old thing where you just records are so expensive to make you know so we're at that stage where we've are waiting to see what label will take us on. Yeah, so um, you self-funded it. Self-funded, um, thanks to the Arts Council. Right. Um, How good are they? They're amazing. Yeah. So we're just at that stage in the process. Um, hopefully, we'll release a single this year, late this year. Yeah. And then the album will come out next year. That's exciting. Yeah. And can you tell me any, like, style directions, music-wise? It's Future Soul. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I really don't know. It's It's really hard to explain, isn't it? It's hard to explain. Like, um, (laughs) 
before I finished the last tour for the last album, um, Jack Grace, I don't know if you know him. Yeah. Um, so we've produced the album, this last album um, together. Um, and he approached me just before we finished the tour and said, so what are you thinking about for the next album? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm still touring. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I think it might be a good time to think about what you want to do for the next thing just to keep things moving because he's a he's very intuitive and very smart when it comes to observing what's going on in the industry and he's like I feel like um throughout your career people have been very fascinated about where you come from but no one seems to get it right you know in terms of um who you are mm -hmm. um and I thought about it and I but that's true. You know, I'm constantly trying to fit into spaces that people uh, um, have said that I should be fitting into. Sure. Um, so the whole idea behind the next album is basically my flag in the sand saying, this is who I am. I am a Papua New Guinean Australian woman who's caught between two worlds, who's a Westerner, but also was brought up with a culture that's also very intricate. You know, it's a culture of over 800 languages and tribes. Um, also has post-colonial connotations to how we were brought up. You know, our upbringing was not only cultural, but also very European as well, yeah. you know. And so um, throughout my career, I was like, I'm not African-American. I'm not Indigenous Australian. I'm not Caribbean. I'm not like all these other popular um Minorities, black cultures yeah. yeah i've got to find my own space so we went about uh this new album thinking okay let's how are we going to present that in the contemporary like sphere and it's come down to the pairing it with visuals and this was like was it before beyonce dropped lemonade and before the conversations about being a person of color became as big as it is now um, which is really ironic because now it's the time is ripe yeah. <laughs> for that kind of stuff. This is almost three years ago that we oh, thought wow. about, yeah, doing ahead it. Of the curve. Well, who knows? You know, we're just a small fish trying to trying <laughs> to do our thing. I've heard you say in interviews that it's hard for you to write a happy song. <laughs> do you still feel like that? Do you feel um, like sad <laughs> songs automatically pour out of you? Uh not anymore, I don't think. I think ever since I became a mum and also learning a lot more about my craft as a songwriter, spending time with other people who know how to craft a you know, really good traditional pop song has really influenced how I go about working on my craft and working on songwriting. Um, so it's, it's definitely a craft and it's definitely something that I'm not fully um, – experienced at but i'm definitely uh <laughs> a lot more versed yeah uh in that aspect of writing happier songs um and i think the new album has a lot more happier songs on it as well just because of aesthetically png is a happy culture yeah so yeah and you're happy yeah exactly. talk to me about being a mom and being no i'm just kidding <laughs> Yeah, and I don't Just care. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see yourself as an ambitious person? Um, yes. So it's a tough question, and because I think part of 
ambition in the music industry, unfortunately, is always linked to hustle. Mm. And hustle is kind of gross. But yeah, you have yeah, to do it. Yeah, for sure. You have to do it. Um, and I think a lot, some people are a lot more extroverted with how they go about hustling in inverted yeah. com- commas. I'm definitely more of an introvert and my hustling is definitely tied to how we hustle in the islands. It's a very, it's much more laid back. We know exactly what we want. It's just, it's not so, look at me, you know, I, I mean, there is still that. It's just in other ways. How um, does one hustle in PNG? Um, <laughs> <laughs> PNG culture is a very interesting culture. Um, I think because I don't, I'm not sh- because I haven't lived in PNG for a, a long time. I think the younger generation are very different to how I was at that age. But definitely, when I was growing up, Islanders were quite. They were warriors, but also quite quiet in um, demeanor. I mean, there's definitely members of my family who are quite loud, but... um, (laughs) They're in every family. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But my mom was very much a quiet achiever. Like, she... Her life has been ridiculously incredible because of what she's had to go through, but Mm. she was never the type of person to, to wear all of her medals on her arm and go well you know check me out check me out she just went went about doing what she needed to do and kicking those goals and letting her work speak for itself rather than being the one to Mm -hmm. speak about it um do you think that's what you've learnt in your music to sort of let it show yeah itself rather yeah look at it yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, she's she's had a big influence on how I conduct myself and yeah. how I go about being being a woman in the world yeah. and a creative one at that. Being a creative mum. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> go on, spit it out. <laughs> Can I talk to you about getting a live show together? Mm-hmm. Do you think about the way your songs are going to translate live while you're writing them? It's been a process mm. thinking about that kind of stuff. I never really thought about that because I get very caught up with my vocal arrangements. Yeah. And that's always been a challenge for me to translate that live because there's only one of me and two backing singers. Yeah, okay. Um, Do you play it a track? Sometimes. Some of the songs are two track. Um, but I, Tim came up with the idea of flirting my um, my these into a drum pad and just triggering yeah. it myself yeah which is which has been nice for a period but now I just want to get away from being behind that box and yeah. performing a lot more I don't know we might get more bvs but you know it yeah. all costs money get someone else to trigger your bvs or somebody else you know <laughs> or just do a track just do it to track. just do a track <laughs> um yeah but now more so I'm thinking about it um trying to make things easier for myself and yeah it's a hard thing I talk about track a lot with people like how to do it right and how to do it so it's still acoustically interesting and yeah um but do you sometimes do you control effects on your voice as well I'm sure I've seen you do that yeah I used to I used to have a TC I mean I still have a TC Helicon um but they can also be very temperamental and feedback and um yeah that kind of stuff so I just, it's too stressful for me as 
the front person. Um, I just want to be present now and not have to worry about if yeah. my thing is going to feed back or if it's oh sounding no. weird out the front. Or Such a nightmare. Have you got a band now that you've toured with a bunch or do you sort of still like I do. I have a core band that I've been working with at the moment but it's always that thing where if someone can't do it, you're going to keep changing and it's always the keyboardist that's very hard. Right. <laughs> To change. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. Bloody keyboardist. <laughs> oh, actually, it's not true. The drummer as well. Can't Obviously, can't put people on retainer. You can't plan that far ahead. Like, I know. You, you know. It's really hard then to get people to be yeah. uh, to be available exactly. when you need them. Exactly. Unless you're doing like a million dates, like a yeah. deal or something. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, it's a tough balance sometimes. So you're saying you're getting better at... Um, writing more positive songs and pop songs do you feel like sometimes um what you're writing about and the happiness is hard to sustain when the industry is kind of like going down the toilet a bit <laughs> down the toilet like do you that. know what i mean you're like yeah this, you know you earn less money streaming's a thing i don't know i just feel like it's getting harder and harder and then it's harder to be optimistic in your creativity yep yeah, that I definitely have periods of that, um, but it's I come back to the whole mum thing. You know, when you have a baby or you have a child that um, is relying on you for <laughs> a lot of things, yeah. um, you just have to look at that child and realize that all of that other bullshit doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's yeah, and I don't always feel that way. Like, there's always parts of the industry that make me go why am I doing this you know what's why am I hustling so hard why am I trying to create a space for myself in the industry when people aren't ready for it you know yeah it's a really uh difficult thing at times to remain focused and to keep focused on your one on this why you started doing music in the first place and that's all it is just remembering that exactly um sometimes i forget that it's fun do you forget that it's yep. fun yeah for sure i think more so now that i have a baby it's harder for me to leave home and to leave him here and that's not fun for me no like, that's not fun yeah it's stressful it's stressful and i spend the time leading up to the gig when I would usually be dancing around to Beyonce with the rest <laughs> of the band before we get on stage. Now I th am texting Dan saying, can you send me some pictures of him? What's he doing right now? Oh Is no. he okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really hard to manage. Yeah. Have there been times in your life where you've wanted to just give it all up? That's such a heavy question right now because of the period that I'm in at the moment. Um, I was just actually just saying to Dan yesterday that the struggle with balancing being a mom and a creative has been really challenging. And even though I'm not on the road, there's so much to do in terms of like making sure that I'm ready for when things start happening. Um, that means like making sure that I'm vocally prepared as well. Yeah. Like I haven't been singing for a while, so my voice isn't up to scratch. Um and he's not sleeping through the night either, so that's affecting my voice as well. Um, or just visually making sure that when we do go out, the live visuals are connected to the visuals that we're pumping out on social media or 
um, just making sure that my story for the album is what I want to go out. Like all of that stuff takes time and preparation. Yeah, of course. And and he's so like your son is so little still. Yeah, I imagine it would be you know this stuff might be easier when he's a little bit more self sufficient. But yeah. at the moment, you know, you're putting a hundred and ten percent in. Oh man! Every night, every day. Every night, every day, and you know it's gotten to the point where i'm like can i warrant like sacrificing the time with him into making this thing that i want to be amazing um can i warrant that yeah at all so i was saying to dan i was like i just don't i just don't know if it it makes sense to to do that and it's yeah it's a it's a hard place to be in because it's like this is i feel like i'm at the point now where everything that I've been working up to is at the right place. I've talked to other people that have said you work in the gaps. Yeah. You know, you you take the one hour that you have while they're napping and you make the very best of that hour doing all, yep. like write a list, do all the things that, you know, mm-hmm. and that you just have to be way more productive in that oh, tiny, yeah. tiny gaps that you do have. For sure. I mean... It's it works and it doesn't work. But the thing that has been true is that I've never been this creative as I my whole career. This is the point in my career that I've been the most creative having wow. him. He's probably the best thing that's happened to my career, wow, which is so that's ironic. Amazing. <laughs> it's so ironic because I'm like standing here going, I don't know if I can do this music thing anymore. Yet I'm like creating like a motherfucker, you know? That's so great. Which I don't understand this period. It's like I'm sure so many women in who are creative mums have found themselves in that position as well, going, hang on, I'm how does this work? It doesn't make sense that I'm being super on top of my game right now. Well, it's probably that that thing like you want it when you can't have it. And so you know, when you don't have time, you're like, fuck, I've got so much I wanna do right now. Yeah. I don't know. And I guess busy people get more done. They say that, don't they? Yeah, they get more done but also just run themselves into the ground yeah, as well. That's a balancing act. It's a it's be careful. A balancing act and I think it's just gonna be for the next eighteen yeah. years of my life. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's so depressing but also amazing. <laughs> so did you have this album written before you had your baby? No, I had him within two months. I was in the studio and I just smashed everything. Probably a really crazy move, but I was just (laughs) so frustrated at that point because I was so sick and I had to cancel everything. And I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to music. So um, having to say no to shows was just heartbreaking it was so heartbreaking yeah. like i had a show at the opera house on new year's oh, eve and i had to cancel no, it that's so sad because i was in hospital down in nara oh, fuck. um and so i was like wow just watching my career just like spin out of control out, like was out of my hands i yeah. couldn't control it yeah and then having a baby you can't control what your body does either yeah um wow that's crazy mm. so were you writing lyrics just completely sleep deprived i was writing lyrics super super high 
Wow. Yep. I was doing eight endones a day. Holy moly. I was doing morphine. I was doing pregnisone. I was doing I was doing everything. Everything. Wow. Um, I was in so much pain that I I was either in pain reeling on the ground or ah. I was I was just like off my chops. Shit. How yeah. long did that last? Um s- about seven months. Fuck. Every day just That's so crazy. Yeah. That's so incredible that you were able to create anything whilst in that state. What an amazing achievement. Pretty crazy. I mean, you know, people make music high all the time, but I feel like it's a different high when you're trying to... Yeah, everyone's like, oh, give me one of your endones. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> it's not like that. It's not fun when you're like on eight of them and it's not oh. even touching the sides. Oh, fuck. It's not fun. Yeah. Wow, what a, that's really impressive that you were able to do that. You should definitely like be telling people when once you start <laughs> getting interview fit because I feel like that's The tell-all really interview with Saya. <laughs> I'm like really excited to hear the lyrics that you came up with. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see what people think. Do you have like a bit that you just can't wait for people to hear? I don't know because I feel like the way that we made this album, uh, it's a bit of a story. So it's as a whole, I can't wait for them to hear the whole thing as a mm. s- complete story. Um, this is the first album that I've done interludes on. Wow. Yeah. Like rap interludes? <laughs> yeah. <no>. Amazing. <laughs> I'm not rapping. Um, but like a rap album? Where you kind of, little- yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I guess a lot of people are doing it now, especially in the the hip-hop world and yeah. the... Future soul. Future soul world, <laughs> if you might... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Frank so Ocean does not a lot. Like storytelling interludes or like... Yeah, so... Amazing. Yeah, I'm excited about those particular ones because they're just little snippets and I just... I really like tiny things and... Me too. Snippets, yeah. Does it have a story that... Your story? Um. Yeah, I think it's going to be a mix of the period that I went through whilst I was trying to be trying to make the album and also the trip that we went on to P&G two years ago to research the album. So it's going to be a mixture of of those two things and they're going to tie in somehow. But I think it'll be narrated more so by the imagery and by the visuals um, because how do you like, how do you steer people away from the fact that they're always going to think that Papua New Guineans were cannibals or they're always going to think that... Stereotypes. Stereotypes. Um, yeah. So I think that's the only way that we're going to start to shift things. And mm. um, I mean, this house is also a tool for helping to do that as yeah, well. Yeah, tell me about this house. So this house, I don't know if you've heard of Peggy Glanville Hicks. This used to be her house. Yeah. Um, and... After she passed away, she gifted the house to the state with the purpose of providing a safe haven for future composers. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, which is incredible. And, uh, yeah, it's it's now run under a program that Bundanon Trust 
run called Prelude and they've got six um, heritage houses around the country that they put up for long-term residency artists um, and you can apply every year. And wow. So it's like a grant process. Yeah, it's a grant process and I applied last year just randomly. I found out the day before it was due, went home immediately, sent the application in and then got the good news. Wow. And uh, yeah, so we're here for a whole year. Incredible. Um, Such a beautiful place. It's it's amazing special. and very special and the vibe that we felt when we first got in here was really beautiful. Like you go to some houses and you get that like. I had it as soon as I walked in. I was like, whoa. <coughs> yeah. Piano. Yeah. And big paintings on the wall. Yeah, she painted yeah. that mural on the wall. Beautiful. Um, but so many people have come through and created, so you get that feeling already. Um, but yeah, one of the requirements of having this residency is that we've got to do um, community engagement stuff as Great. well. So we're putting on these salons, um, which are, I think it's like an 18th century term for, you know, literary people or just people with ideas to gather together and discuss. Um, so we're kind of taking that idea and applying it to the album and the, I, I guess, the story and the purpose behind doing the album, which is steering people away from all those stereotypes for Pacific Islanders and Papua New Guineans. Um, and creating our own space of, I'm a Papua New Guinean, I don't eat people. Yeah. I also like, I love to eat like, I don't know, things that people might not think that, you know, Papua New Guineans eat. Um, <laughs> or I enjoy singing bluegrass music. Yeah. Like no one would think that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with these salons, we, because Dan used to run a, my husband used to run a um, a restaurant. So he... Cure, we curate the food together so that it suits each set um, with cocktails and then we have like talks that talk about the theme of the night. Um, How and many so of them will you do? I'm trying to do six. We did one already. Um, so the those big log drums under there oh, yeah. from the, the first salon. Um, and yeah, just encouraging conversation and community and um, just – Trying to just do a thing. <laughs> what a great idea. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's going to go really well for you. Yeah, it was a, the first one went off, went really well. Um, people were crying and laughing oh. and just, um, yeah, we had the Oz, Ozco came and we're here and we're just really amazed at how we used the space and um, it was a really special, special evening, which great. I was really happy about. Great. Hey, I want to ask you my very last question, which is the question that I ask everyone. Yeah. Can you tell me either your strangest show experience or the strangest thing that's happened to you because you play music? This wasn't my show. I was on tour with Blue King Brown and they had like a, you know how in O Week they have all these festivals or concerts for the students. Yeah, orientation. For orientation, yeah. yeah. And there was this show in Bathurst that we had to drive to and I saw the the lead guy from Kiss Chasey was there oh, yeah. when they were still a thing. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know, yeah. is that rude of but me to no. say? <laughs> 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 uh, 
um, he was standing there with someone that I knew. And I just, for some reason, I thought that he was someone that I knew from Byron. Yeah. And I went up to him and I was like, oh, my God, Steve, I'm so happy to see you. gave him the <laughs> biggest hug, like one of those hugs that kind of last yeah. long because, you, you know, you know You're the person. Yeah. I held him for like <laughs> what felt like a minute. And I just proceeded to t- talk to him about his life, you know, <laughs> thinking that he was Steve. <laughs> and I was like, how are you going? I haven't seen you. How's Byron? And he like played along. Wow. I think he felt bad. I think he <laughs> realized that I didn't, I didn't know him and he didn't know me. So he was, I think he was being really nice about it. And What did he say? Byron's going there. Yeah. It's <laughs> Byron's Yep. And then it just clicked. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my. I'm so, I am so sorry. I, I thought you were, I thought you were somebody else. Oh, my gosh. I'm so embarrassed. He's like, no, it's cool. I really, I really enjoyed the hug, though. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's a happy ending. It's a happy but ending, but yeah. that was very awkward. That's pretty great. For a whole minute. <laughs> I love yeah. it when things like that happen at festivals and you like every other people see it happen. You're just like, yeah. oh, mate. Yeah. I was, I once walked into a glass door in front oh, of like man. 17 bands. <laughs> did you fall or did it? I like really badly hurt myself. Like I oh, really my. hurt my shoulder and I'd had to pretend like it didn't happen. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> did anyone get up to help you? I think like someone from the beautiful girls saw and was like oh no but everyone else was just like oh my god that looked really bad (laughs) because you're quite tall as well so they just would have been like (gasps) (laughs) yeah that's a pretty good story hey thank you so much for making the time to chat to me i really appreciate it and i really can't wait to hear the the album and the interlude in the interludes, Love yes. It. I can't wait for you to hear them. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Saya. Uh...